I was late. I was hanging out with Khan backstage. He was seeding my space, if you know what I mean. <laughs> We're talking about Space Seed, the origin of Khan, the Superman, Ricardo Montalban, the origin of A Thousand Memes when it became a film. The first film that Missy ever saw of a Star Trek content. It was the first thing besides, I believe, behind the scenes. Well, not I believe, but I know behind the scenes footage from Reading Rainbow. So I knew what Star Trek was. But this Mm -hmm. was the first actual thing I had seen. So. Wow. The beginning. Captain Emily. Hello. Hello. Hello, Missy. I'm so excited on this red shardiest of shardy days. To talk about, you know, some of the opinions, just some of the things I rant about in my notes that I realized as I was going through being like, yeah, I was like, wow, what the shark, what, 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 a, what the shardiest of sharpness that we are talking about in this episode. And I'm so fucking excited oh. uh, because there is no more iconic episode of Star Trek, if only because there is no more like iconic thing of Star Trek than Wrath of Khan. Oh, yes. Like, there is literally none. And so this is, of course, the origin of that con. We have an and Rand romance shrugged across time and space in this stasis chamber flavored Hitler allegory of a Star Trek episode. This is one of those moments where listeners will not be able to see what just happened. She gave her synopsis. I just took a huge... Huge glug of water at that exact moment when she launched into it, not knowing what she did. So when she said the words and Rand, I had to actively clench every single muscle in my body to make sure I did not spit a single drop of water onto the microphone. Because that synopsis, going the whole thing, that synopsis was perfection. And right on, this episode is weird. It's It's so weird. It's one of those moments that has a, um, oh, sneezles. It has a moment Mm. from the Star Trek crew where they Mm. just blithely do something. And you're like, this has very strange implications for like the universe in here and everyone's thoughts on things. So yeah, I'm I'm so glad we're going to do this, but um. There is no episode more written by white men from the 60s. There is no episode more white man from the 60s. White Christian man from the 60s, I assume. There is Um, no female gaze in this whatsoever. 
No. It is male gaze from the top to bottom. And I don't I don't mean the outfit that Ricardo is wearing. Oh, oh the outfits. Oh, uh, yes. I'll burn a fun fact. He gets five outfit changes, which is the most for any male performer in a Star Trek episode. That is of okay. TOS. Five. One, five whole costumes. Someone figured that out because they had been yeah. tracking it. Either yeah. because they started with the question of Hmm, Khan changes his outfit a lot. I wonder if he's the most, and then systematically went through yep. every other character there. They fucking or, counted. Or there's a costume designer that was like, oh my word, I need to just document this. I need to figure out every little time that it happens on here because these are right? all so delightful. The third option, which is more likely, which is it was just a person who was autistic and was just kind of like yep. fascinated and was like, yep. Five times. They change five times. And they're yeah. just obsessed. Like, that's, why just, I, yeah, they're, they're, that's why I love this fucking series. Three, three times, and they're like, they're three times agents. All these fucking people. It's just like, oh. <laughs> and you know that that, that that has happened with Star Trek. Because it attracts all of us non-neurotypical minds. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so oh. I'm so excited, Missy, to get into this wonderful episode. Teleplay. By Gene Alcoon and Carrie Wilbur. Yes, Carrie Wilbur of also writing on Captain Video and his Video Rangers in 1949. That is uh, a reference. What a many, reference. Yeah. Yeah. Many uh, various things, you know, just of that time. He was he, he just wrote for uh, Lost in Space. I keep wanting to say Time Cops. But I think Time Cops is later, and also I'm not sure if that's even a thing. It's just what I want to say. Well, um, there is, of course, the 1994 movie Time Cop. Time Cop? Starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Wait, cop or cops? Cop, singular. Okay. A single alt, cop. Alt-cab? time cop. Alt-cab? All and time cops has, are back. Alt-cab! Actor-activist Ron Silva. <laughs> in it who plays like a a trump like figure who basically is throwing his money into the race and is promising like the same promises that trump was made and this was 1994 oh my god so then um but it's fantastic because it's john claude van damme having to go back in time and prevent the murder of his wife and it ends with um, old van damme traveling back to his own time with his wife and kid being there because she was pregnant when she died. Mm-hmm. Which leads to the question, how does he find any single fact about his kid now that it's sprung into existence and they've been having a life for like, what, 10 years or whatever oh, it is? point. How does he figure out his name, first of all? <laughs> like, do they just He's like, hey, buddy. So, you know, there's going to be a moment <laughs> in 10 years where I'm going to come back now. And I'm not going to remember anything about this. So don't just be prepared for that to happen. I'm I'm going to be like, I don't know you. But yeah, it is just, it is. Yeah. So that's Time Cop. Not what we're talking about, but I would would highly recommend for Red Shirts listeners to uh, to seek that. It also has that sounds amazing. Ass. Van Damme. Story, of course, by Carrie Wilbur. And directed by Mark Daniels. This is Ooh. Mark's sixth episode I of the series. I was going to say, that name pops up all the time when yep. we're doing these. Um, I think it was Justin who said, 
during times of drought, you pray for rain. During the shooting of Star Trek, we prayed for Mark Daniels. Beautiful. 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 These guys got quips. These guys really got some quips. Honestly, big recommend of These Are the Voyages, which was written by like real Star Trek fans. And it compiles tons of interviews in addition to going through all the memos that these dudes sent each other during the development of each story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, do, so, I do have to note that when you said the name Carrie Wilbur, I immediately thought, oh, it must be a female writer. And I'm like, well, no, it was, they were, we, we know the, the threat of, of female writers within this year. And then I was like, mm-hmm. are there any other famous Carries? And I'm like, there aren't any, any Carries that have a men's name anymore. I remember Cary Grant, of course, the most. Yes. It's like when you can point to Kelsey as the, the Kelsey, Kelsey Grammer. Or um, is the thing is, uh, is it Beverly Keach, I believe, is an actor. Uh, wow. Yeah. So it's just one of those, uh, there's a few of them that still have them left where it's mm. like, see, these names don't have to be gendered. They They're weren't not... gendered at one point. These things flip back they were not... and forth. They're constantly flipping because... Gender is not an inherent quality of objects or beings. <gasps> Except for Could one. it possibly be an emergent quality? Hmm? Um, I actually, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, tell me. emergent quality. No, it is. But we, I have to. As, as a me. red shirt, red Please. shirt, I need to point out there is one, one thing that we allow to be gendered. Oh, yes, of course, of the course. The USS Enterprise because of Captain Kirk's wife. She is a woman. <laughs> and that is why this the episode ship. is so unfair because it's Khan so unfair. threatens Kirk's wife. You have no idea what fun fact I have lined up for oh, us. Uh, you have no wait. fucking I idea. Not wait. Let's let's start off. Kara Wilbur. And the idea for this episode, um, Gene Roddenberry did a lot of the writing for this episode, in addition to Gene Alcoon, to the point where he actually submitted it originally with his name on it and not Carrie Wilbur's. Oh. Um, now, I'm not saying, I don't know whether, like, the WGA decided that Roddenberry would not get the credits yeah. for this. I don't know if he should have or not, but I do know that the idea for this was based on Carrie Wilbur's uh, episode for Captain Video and his Video Rangers in 1949, uh, which featured ancient Greek era humans transported in suspended animation through space with the people of the future finding that they had mythological powers. Oh, shit. All of that was real. Yeah, like basically, which is a fantastic sci-fi idea that is reused even in Star Trek, but a multitude of times. It's one of my favorite sci-fis is, oh, the ancient gods were real. Like one of my favorite sci-fis. However, listeners, you are getting, I I, I think I'm going to keep these in. You are getting Dr. President having the most sneezies. That I have heard him have in a little bit, and he's crawling up on the desk. It's I I don't want to put them out in outtakes because they're just too delightful. Too so we're just going to acknowledge them in this. It's ASMR. Too, too kitty sne- sneezes. But we are making sure to keep the kitty cut in here. Yes. So hear all his little sneezes. The kitty cut. Um, I love it. God, what a cute fucking cat. Um. <laughs> so. So that all to say is that this was definitely uh, Carrie Wilbert deserved story by credit. I just think so. Oh, just sure. based on that. That's all the things. Those are those are all the things. So let's go ahead and get started. 
we open on an intense and serious looking bridge crew. And they look really fucking intense. It reminded me of like Balance of Terror or like the very like Horatio Hornblower, like, like, oh, these are serious military men shit. Yes. As they come upon a mysterious vessel floating in space, it is far too out to be an Earth vessel and it is too old to be an Earth vessel. It's from like the 90s. Uh, And when they scan the ship, they can detect heartbeats, but going too slowly to be human heartbeats. And yet it is an Earth vessel from the 1990s and it is far out future of the 1990s far out future and it is giving off a morse code signal cq cq which apparently uh is the morse code shorthand for seek you or please answer if you can hear this oh i did not know this thank you imdb i wonder if that's also like a hold up from semaphore too where they just use like letters for communicating Mm, probably um so Spock and Kirk exchange a couple of great quips in this, and I am sure that they are all Gene Alcoon. <clears throat> but they have a great quip about Spock being wrong, because Spock is the one who presents all of the evidence that it cannot be an Earth vessel, and yet it very clearly is. Um, Kirk's like, I thought you said it couldn't possibly be an Earth vessel. Spock's like, I fail to understand why it always gives you pleasure to see me proven wrong. <laughs> Uh, they, they don't have a Spock word for schadenfreude. Kirk just calls it, an, uh, it's an emotional earth weakness of mine. Savory. So, savory. They go full alert until they can discover the mystery of this very stylish 1990s vintage. Uh, vintage now it's vintage. Save all your 90s stuff, they're vintage. Yeah, and we Stylish should say, shit. it doesn't look anything like the Enterprise. It is a model no. that just is designed, it has a lot more like flat angles, like it mm-hmm. almost looks more like the Bird of Prey that the mm-hmm. Romulans used, as opposed to what we see as the yeah. rounder design of the Enterprise. But it also is a little longer, more like the ship that we see in 2001 A Space Odyssey. And yeah. I don't know if those are related, but I do know that this design, it was designed before the Enterprise was designed. Um, it was a design by Matt Jeffries, who is the same person who designed the Enterprise. Um, but he labeled it Antique Space Freighter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it was supposed, it was just a thing he had on the shelf. Um, and most of the money of this episode went to this ship, building the miniatures and building the interior of it. Um, which is pretty funny because most of the interior scenes were cut because NBC was like, all of these supermen are in too skimpy of outfits. I was no. going to ask because yep. our first shot of the ship, not to get too far ahead, mm-hmm. is of a woman in a glass yeah. cage yeah. wearing like fence mashing around yep. her and a golden bikini. Which mm-hmm. I was an appointed like Madonna bra golden bikini. Like it's all point like so you know it's like there you know yeah. there's, there's tits under there. There's titties. And NBC, titties. I can't believe I love titties. I can't believe mm-hmm. NBC didn't go, oh my. The titties are too much. Titties. In this. Too mm-hmm. much titty. Mm-hmm. Too much titty. The jennies, mm. the men's jennies are just too, too mm. much wrapped in a banana hammock for me. No, 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 no. 
Um, so at this point, the Bonnie Bay actually caused the uh, the price, the budget for this episode to go over by twelve thousand dollars. Oh wow! Um, it cost a total of one hundred and ninety seven thousand dollars. Um, and by this point, the series was nearly eighty thousand dollars over budget in total. So. Which I guess at that point they knew the series was pulling in ratings, so that's probably why they were in so indulgent uh, at the moment of the over budgeting for the episodes. Um, another behind the scenes thing that you're just gonna hear throughout this episode. So I take my notes. I do voice to text usually. Mm-hmm. So every time I said "con," it just wrote "c o n," like as the because oh, they're like the that's the con. word. That's very funny. Yeah, <clears throat> and so I did a like find and replace just to replace all of the cons. But instead of choosing just every unaccompanied C-O-N, it it also changed parts of words to have con instead of oh my C-O-N. God. Oh my God. So I have Captain's Log, uh, are though our censors continue <laughs> to show signs of life aboard, there has been no indication of danger to us. So they are able to get that the ship they're looking at is the SS Botany Bay, which was produced in the same tire- time period in the 1990s as the Eugenics Wars, uh, which Spock describes as your attempt to improve the race through selective breeding. Uh, and McCoy just like digs into it. He's just like, now wait a minute, not our attempt, Mr. Spock. It was a group of ambitious scientists, I'm sure you know the type, devoted to logic, completely unemotional. And it's like, dude, why are you so pissed off about an ancient genocide of your people, of your race, of your human race, of your species? It's just like he's immediately... He's like, well, you know, Spock, if you had been there, you would have committed genocide. And it's like, oh, my God, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Now, uh, you know what Botany Bay is, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Because I just, I I, I didn't know if this was on purpose Mm -hmm. and if this is in your facts. So I don't want to jump your gun. No, please, please. I knew one of these things I want to talk about. But Botany Bay is in Australia. Mm -hmm. And it is Australia, of course, was a penal colony where they Mm -hmm. sent criminals and they self-named their ship leaving earth and being like we're a bunch of criminals being sent to a new shore and they picked that name themselves like of all the names they could have picked that like seven seven fucking genius brilliant elon musks could have sat together and were like oh botany bay we metaphorically feel like we're criminals who have just been thrown out of the streets and put on the new shores like i couldn't handle it it's so funny to me yup um it's amazing and this is because of changes in the writing you absolutely caught on to that and how fucking weird that is yeah that those things that that is the case it's because originally mr Corey, um mr carrie wilbur was like they're being exiled we're gonna put our napoleons onto our most expensive ship and send it to our most expensive place. Um, 
And some of them will be lawmen there. And Roddenberry was very rightfully like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. And so he has Spock and Kirk talk about this later where they're like, what's the deal with this ship? And it ends up just being yet another mystery uh, to sort of solve without ever being explained why the fuck they would name their own ship. We're going out to colonize a place that is for criminals. Insane. A place that didn't even get colonized because it was too hard to colonize. Like, they, the, the British couldn't deal and they went somewhere else in Australia. And that was where they actually set up the first one. Um, why I know that, who knows? So, Kirk assembles his crack team to go over to this SS Botany Bay uh, to figure out what's going on. So, of course, he has Bones, <clears throat> Scotty, Spock. Or no, Spock's not there. He has Bones, <clears throat> he has Scotty, and he needs... He needs someone familiar with the 21st century. Someone who is so little needed on the ship that he does not know her name. Uh, That's right. It's Lieutenant MacGyvers. And when Spock calls her, she is just about to put on a smock to continue her beautiful painting of a knight in shining armor. So we have an art girly on our hands. Yeah, we do. Her whole place, it's covered in like paintings that are like clearly implied to be things she's done, beautiful pottery, and it's all great men of the past. Um this is our this is our Anne Rand. This is our Anne Rand heroine. Mm. Mm. Um, um so that was my first thing where I was like, okay, history mm-hmm. at the time somewhat sus very white man focused Mm -hmm. you know a lot of the Mm -hmm. leaders that are in there i was like okay okay i'm I'm not i'm seeing the the kind of stuff she's painting she's very eurocentric in her views Mm -hmm. i'm like okay okay and to be clear like they did they did specifically describe her as an and rand heroine like that is oh that's just of the that's written text description. that is not subtext. that is text that's it is text fucking funny right yeah they were literally like they were like what kind of woman would be into this guy and we'll see uh and they're like i don't know maybe she's like one of those and rand bitches like literally uh and this all comes from them being like we need to solve something so <laughs> McCoy, this is where we get McCoy not liking transporters, which is really fun. Um, yeah, has that come up before? I I don't... I, this is the first time it comes up, I think. It's really funny, because I think I remember that being a running... It's, yeah. Gag, it's a joke. But I always thought a lot of that stemmed from in the Star Trek... Is it one of the Star Trek movies where they have a transporter One of the Star Trek movies, uh, Bones makes that joke like three different times about how he doesn't like transporters. Um, because it's like this iconic thing from the original. Um, but <laughs> McCoy is just on a fucking another one this episode. He oh, is pissed yeah. off oh, this yeah. whole episode. He starts at an he starts at like an eight <laughs> and then goes right? to like a ten. He's, he's like, just... I bet you would participate participate in genocide, Mr. Spock. And here he's like, I signed aboard this ship to practice medicine, not to have my atoms scattered back and forth across space by this gadget. And he says it angry. He doesn't say it in his like 
like in Conscience of the King, he's like, oh, a doctor's never been on time for a play. And like, it's curmudgeon but there's humor to it. Like he's saying it because he thinks it's funny. He's just fucking angry at the yeah. transporter. He, he, uh, you know, we, I'm sure he's seen or heard about a teleporter malfunction. And he's like, I'll take the stairs. Yeah. I am fine. Yeah. I'm ab- or a <laughs> I am ship fine. or a, a craft. Long, long rope uh, with coffee on the end. <laughs> so on the SS Botany Bay, which again, we open up on the lady in the net. Like it's just, just asleep in her little glass coffin. And then we like zoom out to like show, show the area. Um, <laughs> but it's a it's a basically an interior of a ship with a bunch of cells like those hotels in Japan where you can just like rent like a cell for the night and sleep. Yeah, they're little sleep chambers. They're just like little, yeah, they're like, little single, sleep single person sleep pods. Yeah, and it's to us, it's obvious everything that's going on because it's alien. Like this is one of the most iconic and enduring ideas of science fiction and pop culture of our time the idea of stasis chambers yeah with people from different times it's futurama that's exactly what it looks like um so <laughs> scotty confirms <laughs> oh my god i love all of these con- this is gonna be fantastic I'm so glad I said confirms so many times. I was like, I keep saying so-and-so confirms this or that. Like, I shouldn't... Now I'm ecstatic for every time I did it. Um, He confirms that it is from the 21st century. Uh, MacGyver's is... What it's called is a sleeper vessel. Because it used to take... uh, Until 2018, when they figured out how to go fast through space, they used to have to go slow through space. Um, it's quite a jump so, from the 90s being able fucking, to send sleeper stuff and then 25 years later being like, oh, yeah. we got it. We were already we there. We got it. That's when they discover warp drive uh, technology um, and join the Federation, which was shortly after the eugenics wars. Um, but you're right. It is like really close together. I uh, This is from um, mostly from first contact yeah which is i was a next gen just movie. gonna ask because i know that, like they there's some yeah. movie where they go and do that I get, i've seen yeah. all these a lot of them were when i was a kid so i don't remember them all distinctly but mm-hmm. do they set that in 2018 they must them? i think they must because it makes mathematical sense to me that mm-hmm. like 1996 is when these the last of these napoleons leave earth and then what 30 years later is when a ragtag group of scientists are able to break warp drive and joining the Federation and partnering with Wilkins pulls the earth out of, you know, the horrors of the eugenics wars. Um, So I guess, and and it seems like something that they would do, like try to make it consistent, but I will say as much as we have lauded it, they said it in 2063. Yeah. So maybe the warp drive, because this doesn't say that they discovered warp drive. They just found faster ways of traveling. So the warp drive might have been even I, more. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it was the warp drive. It was the warp drive that clued the Vulcans in to check Earth out in the first place. And being a warp capable society mm-hmm. is 
typically is what they came to be like have the thing where you can't contact them until they discover warp technology yeah because then they're going to find us anyways um Uh, so that's like the idea is that the warp technology is like very early but they already have sleeper fucking ships in 2006 i'm sorry 1996 um you see 1996 is such an alien time to have good spaceships i can't even imagine it's it. so far flung into the future i hope i live to see 1996 the way they right. envision it right uh, oh well, well never mind no well, do you know what no, yeah we both no, is, we no, both caught no, on no, real no, no, no. quickly real <laughs> quickly like, no we no, do no, not no, wish no, this no 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 we no, do no, not no, want no. this no no i'll be born later i'll be born after yeah. the after a time that's just Openly called the eugenics wars. Yup. Yup. So. <laughs> um, so they're basically musing like, could these people still be alive in this ship? It was clearly knocked off course. And basically, as soon as Kirk muses this, uh, Scotty turns on the lights and that triggers one of the bodies to start waking up. And we know this and, because a light starts flashing above, yep. <laughs> above Ricardo Montalban. Yep. Uh, and we see the masculine cut figure of a man, mm. <laughs> which MacGyver's identifies as being possibly from Northern India, possibly a Sikh who are great warriors. I find that a weird line that like, like there is, there is nothing about this person that could indicate their race other than the fact that they are like not white so like you wouldn't know what country well, really he's from there's a lot of different places ricardo, he could be from ricardo montemont is a uh, mexican-american yes actor. <laughs> uh, or actually i think this might be straight up from mexico yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it became American citizen later on. Yeah. And so um, it's one of those things where they're already stretching the limits of taste yeah. for portrayal. At it's that like time. he's not even an Indian I, man. So how do you see he's Indian? And then you were another, like, yeah, a subclass within it, though, a subclass of a class. That, that is- was my first clue that this lady was sus. Right, racial profiling, and that she apparently knows, you know, racial distinctions enough to be able to pick out someone by their cum gutters, whether or not Mm -hmm. they're from a specific country. Yeah, and what what type of job they might have held, and you know, and and, you know, they're in the military. I get it, but applauding a cultural thing because oh, their warriors are so great. Like, I mean, okay. They, you sure. know, it can't be because maybe they wanted him for his mathematics or for his history, yeah, like you are, or for his, you know, diplomacy. No, it's there's a million must, different reasons someone should be in a sh- would be in a ship. She could have said like he looks extremely athletic, yeah, which could mean something about his job. But no, she's like, like but that's not what she's talking steel, about. This steel plated motherfucker. Is definitely from this region of the world where they have, you know, the bloody marauders are, you know, yeah. like it's that absolute thing. Yeah. You know, it is 100% the image being not painted. just the culture, it's a whole religion right? of peace, one of the most peaceful religions. Right? It was just, I Which, know it's like such a weird juxtaposition because one's in after, yeah. uh, it's like, oh, but it just was like, yeah. So that was my first, like, I genuinely yeah. thought there, like, oh. <laughs> 
is this a clue to me? Like, am, am I actually supposed to take this as a clue to this person's, like, interest? I don't, I don't know. think so. I don't think so. I think that they were like, uh, we need her to give our exposition. That's true. I think that that's all it was and that the exposition that they came up with themselves yeah, is you know, very, I'm a white man in the 60s. It's very white man in the 60s. Casting a Mexican-American yeah, to yeah, yeah. play an Indian man. I mean, thank God. This is my anti-racist work. And it was. wasn't white, at least. Thank right. God it wasn't someone in brown face. Even though they put, they darkened up Ricardo Montalban, I think. Yes. Maybe it's just the way the makeup Probably. looked on him and he was just oiled up. But it looked mm. like they put a little bit of makeup on him to make sure that he stayed darker under the lights. Yeah. Than, uh, that to, to create a distinction between the mostly white crew of the yeah. Enterprise. It would, um... Scotty, like, immediately then, too, Scotty identifies that it looks like everyone is from a different ethnicity Yeah, like, on the ship, no like all the sleeping yeah. people, that there's no pattern and that they're all of distinctly different ethnicities, which would be an interesting piece of detective mm-hmm. work. That's a piece of information that's good to know. If they're all very specifically of different races, then they were all picked in part for those that reason, which why would you send a shit up out with that in yeah. particular? But we don't have time to muse because our clearly Northern Indian man, possibly a Sikh, uh, is having problems and he is in fact dying. Um, we see him choking. He's like freaking out. McCoy is like, he is going to die if we don't get him out of that case. And Kirk is like, fuck, like, I don't know if we should open this guy up or not, but like he's gonna die. So he grabs this like metal dildo. It just looks so much much like a metal dildo. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. Yes. It looked, there is no other purpose for that object. He didn't, he just grabbed it and broke the glass and gets fucking our our hot ass dude. Look. Some people, out the, of the first door. thing they want to do when they get out of crisis, mm-hmm, crisis mm-hmm. Is, is to stimulate the prostate. I'm not going to judge. So if it was lying around, it's fine. It's totally yeah. fine and yeah. normal. You're, you're the fine weird one. Fine and normal. You're all, look, we're humans. We're on a sleeper ship. So the striking figure of Khan is laying in this drawer that they've now pulled out. And MacGyver's has been giving serious eyes to this man the yeah. entire oh, time yeah. that this crisis is happening. She is horny um, on main for Khan. And Kirk seeing that is concerned. Oh. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Like, um, we are looking at a possibly dead relic from the 20th century, and I have this person, like, horny on main right now for a relic on this ship. Uh, (laughs) So, Ricardo Montalban, uh, he is extremely famous. He was already extremely famous when he got this gig. He starred usually as a Latin lover type, including in a movie called Latin Lover. (laughs) And he had a Tony. Um, like I did he, not know he's a he big a dude. Tony. Yeah, yeah. Like Me, he's a gay of the theater, not knowing all the people theater. who have a Tony. I'm gonna have to look up what he got it for. Um, 
And he and Roddenberry worked together previously on a show called The Secret Weapon of 117 in 1956, which was Roddenberry's first attempt at sci-fi. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, those numbers sound either very military or spacey, like one of the two. And he also uh, performed with the woman who plays Marla before. Uh, they played opposite each other like three or four times. Um, so, <laughs> yep, he goes through a record of five changes in costume, starting in this, the gold mesh that he's wearing when brought back to consciousness. Oh. <laughs> um, when consulting... Oh, because it's consulting. When consulting with Kirk in his quarters, he wears something different. Oh, God. Um, okay. So apparently um, his athletic physique was such that when his measurements were passed to the costume department, um, they thought there was a mistake. Oh, really? Yeah. They're like, I'm sorry. These measurements represent too hot of a human. Like, this um, is not he was the first choice for this role. Uh, <laughs> there, so oh, right. obviously, like anyone who like the costume department's like he can't be this hot. <laughs> That's the guy you get to be your Superman. <laughs> we interrupt this hotness to let you all know that Ricardo Montalban got his Tony Award uh, mm. or for nomination. Oh, I'm so sorry. It was just mm. a nomination. Um, mm for Jamaica, singing several lighthearted Calypso numbers opposite Lena Horne for 555 what? performances. Wow. He, they did this wow. show. Yeah. Yeah. No, this guy was wildly famous. Um, and so obviously, I mean, getting him in this episode, honestly, meaning that meant that Wrath of Khan was ever made because he is the reason we want to see them acting like against oh, each other yeah. which I think is the reason that Star Trek like kept cultural consciousness and kept being remade Ricardo Maltaban's hot steamy chiseled chest is what saves Star Trek is all I'm saying that's all I'm saying I have another little story so in the original version of the script in Corey's or Casey's, um, like Kirk had to wait, had to like ask like Star Command if he could wake these people up. And Roddenberry was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I can't imagine a world in which anyone couldn't make some kind the, the, the most reasonable and human decision. That could ever be presented to them, which is if you have a bunch of people who have been asleep for 200 years in stasis chambers on a ship that you cannot identify, obviously you should just be allowed to wake them up. Yeah, wake like, Wonder, the that's up. the stupidest fucking thing I've ever fucking heard. Like, they have to have heard about, like, we're afraid to open up caves. Like, the ice caps are melting and diseases we've never heard of are fucking escaping. These people could all have a wild disease and they were all put in that chamber so that they wouldn't, like, be contagious. There are so many reasons to call Starfleet Command. Yeah, it's like, 
I understand the motive in that moment, though, to, like, break them out. And we find out, essentially, you're right. Because they should have. They should not have broken it up. Now, they didn't know that their show approaching was going to trigger, you know, dusty trans. These things used to run on transmitters. So those dusty transmitters (laughs) um, got all, you know, crackly. And that it was going to, you know, wake space Hitler up. We've had one space Hitler. I didn't know that we could have yeah. another one. Yeah. Yeah. So fucking you crazy old white men. That is one of his most cop opinions I've ever heard of like, but I should just be able to use my executive decisions in this situation that is wildly more complicated than I am perceiving it to be. As, as long as you uh, scream well check, as welfare long, check first. As long as you after. scream welfare check first. Fucking a cat. I had a character who was a bird cop in a D&D game <gasps> and I Bird-law. played my character as like he took stuff as literal as possible at first mm-hmm. and then we go aha and a lot of times mm-hmm. it was for a swerve because they're like, I'm not trying to do something yeah. stupid here. I'm, I'm just making you think yeah. I'm doing something stupid. Um, but there was one time where we got to a creepy manor and there was like screams and like all this kind of stuff. And one of the partners was a wizard who was all gung-ho about going in and just being like, we should go in. And I'm like, wait, stop. It's breaking and entering. We can't go <laughs> We have to make sure it's lawful. And then he's like, but what if they're harmed? I'm like... If it's harming, there's a welfare check. So as long as we oh, scream welfare check as we kick down the door, I'm okay with it. And so we, we Oh both my god, you guys have to do that tonight. Y'all have door. to do that tonight in Baldur's Gate. Oh, I'll have to find a way to see if I can sneak in. You welfare have check. to. Welfare check! Sending a fireball swinging. Oh my god. The best part we have there were two creepy kids that were ghosts that were there. So we, so it's like, oh no. Children, Mur- oh my god. Murdered people. So we need we do we needed to. We need to kick down this door. We were right the whole time. We were right. It's <laughs> the fucking thing. These people are not well. <laughs> oh man. They are not well. Okay. Neither's the crew. Neither is our dear crew of the Enterprise. Uh, back on the Enterprise, we have that conversation about why it's called Botany Bay. Um, Spock can't find any record of the SS Botany Bay, which he thinks is absolutely insane because it is a ship designed for interplanetary travel. In, the, in 1996, at the end of the eugenics wars, the world was in chaos. There, were, there weren't that many around. It, there weren't you, you that can't many around. Lose something like that. Yeah. So and so it's it's insane that there's no record of it. Kirk posits he's like, oh, Botany Bay might be a penal colony. Could these be criminals? And Spock is like, why would you put fucking criminals in your most expensive spaceship? Um, that was basically Spock just saying what Roddenberry was saying yeah like ron murray's just like that's fucking stupid don't so wow. the concept so not, only, not only was i just gotta say not only did he disagree with the suggestion he wrote a fuck you into the script <laughs> to make yes. sure that audiences at home who hadn't <laughs> had that question were no. we would were to make sure yeah. you know, well yes of course we must side with mm-hmm. with kirk he's our hero our, our course, white savior 
Yep. Um, so yeah, that, that just comes from originally it was Botany Bay because they were criminals sent away from Earth. Um, but that just doesn't make fucking sense because spaceships are always like we have it. The society that has been obviously set up to this point is one in which ships are valuable. Oh, yeah. And interplanetary movement isn't uh, because there are definitely science fiction worlds where that makes perfect sense. In Star Wars, sure. Fucking A. Um, Like everybody has a ship, you know, you can make a ship run if you can listen to beeps and boops well (laughs) enough Um, and just flip switches. So, and originally, what I find interesting is that originally some of the people frozen would be lawmen, like, who had volunteered. Yeah, that's still, that part of the script being in there is, like... It's interesting. Like, that part isn't, wasn't left in, obviously, but I just find that such an interesting concept and kind of want to see a different science fiction that only deals with that. But it it would Um, not make sense. For, not in this world. Yeah, it, they because these are individuals that would think they are the law. So yeah. they would think they are the law enforcers. If you are a dictator yeah. who has, yeah. you know, essentially is is going to say, oh, given the time, I would have conquered the world and I would have yeah. been greater than Alexander, you know, mm-hmm. but a peaceful dictator because everyone would mm. be peace under my rule. Insane. So Kirk heads down to Medbay. To check on Ricardo and his incredible physique. Uh, and he and Dr. McCoy just chat about how even in a comatose state, like this dude is like hotter and stronger and like has better lung capacity. They're just like, wow, what a what a beefy side of size of ham that we have right here. Mm. what a specimen what an obscene hottie this guy is and as they're talking about what an obscene hottie he is lieutenant macgyvers walks in behind them uh kirk sees her and decides that uh this is the moment to chew her the fuck out for being a doddering schoolgirl on an away mission yeah so this is where she gets called out for being horny on maine He's just like, if I were to rate your performance as a member of the landing party today, I, and she's like, I know, sir, I'm sorry. And he's like, Lieutenant, at any one time, the entire safety of this vessel might depend on the performance of a single crewman. And the fact that you find a man strangely compelling to you personally, and Marla's like, no, it's because he's history. The fact that he's the hottest man I've ever seen ever has nothing to do with it. Um, I'm sheer delight of examining his mind. And Kirk's like, and men were more adventurous some then, bolder and more colorful, sort of implying that this is what she thinks of men in that time, which is true. Yeah. That is what she thinks. He's he's correct. Um, and it's fucking weird and I hate it. Yep. Yeah. So exactly. This and is our second sus moment with Marla. This is not a strong moment in Star no. Trek's progressivism streak. That we it's like that we run yeah. into the regressive and it's like, meets the progressive. <laughs> People wonder like why? How do these alt right fucking you know homegrown terrorist fascist people? How do they have girlfriends? Right? Yeah. Um, we're we're watching a whole episode about one of them. 
These are the bitches that are like, you know what? White supremacy is like kind of, kind of slay. Do you know you what know? I think is hot? A bad boy. <laughs> A bad boy. With regionally <laughs> specific cum gutters. Jesus. <laughs> so, um, Kirk sends her off and we look back in on Khan chilling in the med bed and we see him wake up. And he does these really intense stretching, like little routine. And then he sees on the wall framed our old medical devices, including a knife. Yeah. So we see him grab one of the knife and then get back into bed real quick before Dr. McCoy walks in. And then we get the most badass moment. And I, the entire fucking series of McCoy. McCoy leans in and Khan jumps up, puts the knife to his throat and also has his hand around McCoy's throat and it holds him there and McCoy snarls out well either choke me or cut my throat make up your mind what what not only that not only not only that so Khan is like wow English I thought I dreamt hearing it like where the fuck am I and McCoy says you're in and like he squeezes him again. He's like, you're in bed holding a knife to your doctor's throat. <laughs> That's where you fucking are. Doubles down. Like, doubles down on the sass. And Khan's like, answer me. Like, I am going to be the alpha here. This whole episode is just alpha back and forth. All alphas. And McCoy is the most alpha of all of them. You can tell here. Uh because he says it would be most effective if you would cut the carotid artery just under the left ear. Ba 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 ba! Yeah! And then he just like, and then McCoy like explain, like takes the scalpel and is like, you're on my, sh you're on this ship, your vessel's in tow. Like, I'm going to give you information, you know, because um, they don't know anything about this person yet. Just that he is a man from the 1990s who has woken up for the first time. They expect him to be confused, you yeah. know. Um, So Khan is like, sweet. Bring me your captain. I have questions for him. Uh, he's still trying to out-macho everyone, even though McCoy has just established himself as the most macho person that ever machoed. Um, so when Kirk comes in, he's trying to out-macho Kirk. He's like, like, hello, Captain. What is our heading? Like, what is this information, that information? And Kirk just sees right through it. And he's like... We're going to start Blaze 12. This is our heading. Is that, is that of any use to you? Is this useful to you, 200-year-old man from the past? Knowing what heading my starship is taking? Um, and Ricardo's like, oh, okay, well, like, what about my people? And Kirk's like, 72 of them are alive. 12 of the, the boxes failed, but there are still 72. And Kirk's like, so I'm really fascinated about like what the deal is with your ship or anything like the minute Kirk asks any questions which is basically like so what's your fucking deal 
immediately comes like, mm, I'm tired. I grow fatigued. Ooh. Doctor. Oh, Doctor, my. let me be. I grow oh, fatigued. I'm so sleepy. Hmm, I'm tired, Doctor. Uh, I can't answer these questions, but maybe later. But also, could you leave me some instructional manuals on your ship? Like, I was an engineer. I'd, like, love to read those. But, oh, I'm too tired to answer any questions about my identity. Except that my name is Khan. Um, and them all being people of reading, they say, ah, the most reasonable request. Yep. Some of the our most technical manuals. And Kirk immediately, he's just like, oh, well, duh, you've missed 200 years. I'm sure you're fascinated. <laughs> Gives him a fucking book. It's it's almost, he's treating, Kirk is treating Khan more similarly to how the crew treated the man that they picked up from the 50s. Yeah. Or from the 40s, yeah. like the man out of time, where they're like really nice to him. They're like down to show him stuff. Like, you know, they, they, they're the Federation. They're chill. They're nice. They expect the best of people. But he's like, sure, here's your technical manuals. And Khan says, thank you, Captain. You are very cooperative. Wow. That was just like a, like he's always angling to be the top dog. Like, I am the one that you are cooperating with. Like, now, not to get all Freudian on this discussion, but I believe that this man has quite the ego driven personality. <laughs> Yup. So here's a great IMDb fact. In many episodes, the captain often is heard stating that the ship is the most important thing above all else. But in this episode, he allows Khan to read technical manuals about the ship's workings. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought that was pretty funny. It's the ship he loves like a woman. Uh, you know. <laughs> I'm like, okay, IMDB. This is definitely a helpful fact. I am now fascinated about the fact, thinking about the ship as his wife and thinking of being like, oh, uh, can I have some of your wife's favorite poetry while I have some light reading? They're like, oh yeah, sure, here you go. These are the things that she loves most. So you're yeah. able to access her. her, her <laughs> oh, would you like her journal? Would, would you love that? Would you like, like my wife's journal? Exactly. I could give you her diary. Like I, I have the little key lock that opens it. Like I know, <laughs> I know why they write it in, but it's a real, let's admit it. Sometimes these episodes happen because Kirk pulls a boner move. Yep. This is a real boner move by Kirk. This is a boner move by Kirk. This is a boner move by Kirk. Um, Kirk heads back up to the bridge and he posits to Spock. He's like, could these people be products of selective breeding? Like, given that they're from the eugenics wars and apparently this guy can toss us with his little finger. Um, and Spock's like, yeah, like there is a high possibility of that. Apparently in the 1990s, there was a thing uh, where a group of young supermen simultaneously seized power in 40 nations. Um, there are about 80 or 90 of them unaccounted for when they were all finally defeated. And this is apparently isn't in the history books. And Spock was like, yeah, because why would you tell a war, like an apocalypse society that there are still a bunch of Napoleons wandering around? Yeah. But it 
should be in the, I mean, it's clearly accessible information. Uh, it is strange to me thinking about this as I know incongruent as some of the things are that they have detailed records of two centuries ago. So the record keeping mm -hmm. must be good, but they also don't mm -hmm. have the internet. So it yeah. is just like a bunch of print offs and like books and things yeah. that are being like lugged around. Microfiche. Yeah, exactly. You know, things like that. <laughs> Um, we so also many don't, we don't, yeah, we don't see them researching that much in the well. No, they do like computer. He like looks stuff. into his little yeah, like no, so does computer no, no, yeah. screen. So it is just weird. But, that yeah, at a certain, I mean, yeah, I guess at a certain point, archival technology got really fucking good mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. the future, and I guess and information wasn't being corporatized and and trying to be you know, propriety if you can unlock mm -hmm. it for such a, you know, dollar per month. Yes, exactly. Um, and now we get into some creepy shit. Um, cut back to sick day and Marla MacGyvers has come to visit Khan. And she's like, hi, I'm a historian. I would like to speak to you because you are history. Um, and he is not listening to a fucking word she is ever saying. He is only trying to manipulate her and dominate her and neg her and be a creepy pickup artist. He is a master uh, of the neg. Uh, master he, oh, of the neg. He does not relent. He he gives in. He he makes her want her. He like yeah. denies her, and then yeah. he gives, just makes it seem like oh she was wrong for denying him at first, but I'll accept mm -hmm. you, you know, because I'm gracious. Yeah. Like my God, it's repulsive. She goes, I have she a whole goes through thing a, of it. She goes through a full abusive relationship. Yeah, in yeah within a fifty minute episode. Yeah, it's it's really really creepy, and it's written exactly the way that these things feel like in real life yeah, um, yeah, yeah, when yeah, someone yeah, is yeah. trying to manipulate you in this way and i have unfortunately not remotely to this degree but i dated a dude who was a little like this and it was not a good situation that was not a good person yeah. you know it was fine but it was like not you know so She's like, hi, like, I would love to talk to you because you're history. And he's like, oh, that's so interesting. You know, there's something so wonderful on these new modern ships. And she's like, what's that? And he's like, beautiful women mm -hmm. like you in front of me. And she's like, oh, <laughs> well, I'm here for history. So I'm curious about history. And he's like, why do you wear your hair in that terrible way? Yeah. Like literally, he's like, why are you, why do you wear that hair in such an uncomplimentary fashion? And he literally gets, she's like, it's comfortable. He gets up and he starts undoing her hair. Her like, she's like, he's taking out her bobby pins, stands her fucking up and puts her to a mirror. She is clearly visibly uncomfortable. And he's like, look, look how soft and natural it is. I like this better. You should wear this more. And she's like, I'm going to come back when you're willing to talk about history. And she turns to leave and he grabs her by the arm strongly. And it's in a, in a way that communicates, I can do violence. But then he says, I liked seeing you today. Please come back. And then lets her go. And that's an abuse tactic. Showing someone that you are capable of violence, but then being kind is a manipulation to get the person who's being targeted to 
like be to to give in to do more what that person says it primes them for all sorts of things but it's still under that thing it's that's literally what abuse is if the macro and microaggressions don't set you yeah. off within this scene and you don't realize <laughs> right away that Khan is not a great guy he's not yeah. giving good dude vibes then I no. feel I feel bad for you because it's very yeah. clear like at it's this point that this is he's so up to clear. no good no it's so good. clear and it's startling to me rewatching this as an adult right because I watched it as a kid you know a couple times um but I couldn't like tell you in this much detail the way that Khan is or like this relationship and I dated a couple guys in college like two guys in college who were somewhat like that who tried those things on me and it didn't work that well with me it worked well enough but like you know, it, it it it's shocking to me watching this now as an adult and seeing like, oh my god, no, that's just literally how some men act. Yeah, I'm I'm really realizing now. I'm like playing a super cut in my head of like just moments in theater and TV of mm-hmm. of men grabbing a woman's arm and that being yeah. a huge. It's the same universal signifier of what yeah. you just said. I can yeah. do. Yeah violence or you know you know that's they're capable of it you know that's kind of i think one of the first things in a streetcar named desire Mm -hmm. that we see stanley do to i can't i can't remember the main character's name in the next Uh, it's blank i think well blanche is not the one that he does it to it's the one that stella Stella! of course how could i not think of stella Stella. Um, and so thus it's yeah it's it's really interesting that we're feeling this way because i'm Mm -hmm. i'm sure that's what the writers wrote and they're not writing it to be like oh this is like condoning it yeah but it's just and i think they were trying to make him threatening in there yeah but it's such a it's such a frequent trope and that is so casual that it's like gosh i really haven't sat and thought this hard about men grabbing a woman's arm yeah and i don't know when yeah. It's um it's one of those things. It's it's why uh domestic abuse things say like a person breaking something in front of you, you know, a person demonstrating that they can commit violence yeah. in any way under any circumstances is a warning sign. It is it is a huge red flag and if you feel uncomfortable in any way you should get yourself the fuck out. But that's exactly what Khan does here. So there is a scene that was deleted, and I think it happened before this or after this. Um, I, I don't think it ever ended up in the episode, but it's Marla and another crew woman in the bar. And the other crew woman, it's it's actually Marianne. It's the woman whose husband died in Balance of Terror. She's like, oh, Lieutenant Henry wants to ask you to the dance. And Marla's like, mm-hmm, I don't respect any man that can't do the asking himself. I want a man that will come to my room and throw me over his shoulder and put me where he wants me to be. And I'm like, things no woman has ever genuinely said yep. for 500. Yep. Like outside of the context of like, I don't know, I'm a person who, lo- I'm not me, but like I hypothetical person like uh, non-traditional relationships and would like to consensually enter into a situation in which the other person has an, that element of control over me. That's different. 
that is different from what is being described and it will never be described like yeah. that. Insane. She does not look like, this is not a Fifty Shades of Grey. She looks no. terrified throughout this she whole does. thing. And yet somehow, because this guy's big dick energy, I don't know. Yeah. His it's just a, gets her in. Just big dick eugenics energy. Um... So we cut to a beautiful dining table set out with McCoy and Kirk and Spock and uh, Scotty. They're all in their dress uniforms. And, you know, this is all being set up because MacGyver thought it would be a good way to invite Khan to their century. Um, And Kirk's like, so, um, hey, Bones, how concerned (laughs) do I have to be about MacGyver's wanting to fuck the shit out of Khan? Yeah. 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 Like, if he is Hitler, would she just follow orders? Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're going to find out. But that's a good thing to ask yourself all the time. Does that seem like a person who would just follow orders? Good thing to wonder about, especially in fucking Starfleet. Um, That's that's a lot better way of asking than I have, which is I've just been asking people, would you fuck Hitler? I think your way is a much better question. (laughs) Um, and we see almost immediately that, yes, she is because Khan shows up at her quarters and is like, oh, sweet. Like you're walking me to my fancy dinner. And he just walks right into her room and he compliments her paintings. He's like, oh, you had a very good technique. Like, who's this person? And she starts to answer. She's like, oh, that's so-and-so. And he interrupts her immediately. And he's like, oh, I see you changed your hair for me. Good. Good. I'm glad you did. Like he... He's not really listening to her. He does not care about her. He's just trying to dominate her. He's then he's he uncovers her interest to feign interest. Yeah. He does not ask follow up questions based on yeah. the information she's giving. As you said, it's no indication that he's surface actually level. listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're like super surface level. It reminds me a lot of I've been watching a lot of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but he is a dentist type. Oh, God, yes. Uh, yeah, he's literally a like, golden god kind of animal. Yeah, oh, yeah, where, like, the dentist type is a narcissistic sociopath. Like, that is the humor of that character. Um, but, yeah, like, it's very much like that. Um, and then he sees a half-done painting of himself. Ooh, she's been thinking about him. He's like, I'm honored, but I caution you. Such men dare take what they want. Mm-hmm. I will say, speaking of the great men, yeah, you do say it's half done. It's like just his face. Yeah, it's just his face, and she's like, yeah. At one point, he's like, "Oh, these men are hobbies of yours." <laughs> so we head over to the fancy dinner, and which almost immediately becomes um, the interrogation of Khan by Mister Spock, because the whole idea of a dinner was fucking stupid. Except for the idea that it might trick this man into giving more information, which, of course, doesn't play out because Khan is really fucking smart. So Spock's just basically like, so what's your deal? Like 1990s, big years for tyranny. What do you think about that? And Khan's just like, I'm super pro tyranny. Like, I just think that tyranny is fantastic. He's like, it's not tyranny. It's an attempt to unify humanity. And Spock's like, unify Sir, like a team of animals under one whip. Ooh. 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 And Khan's like, I know something of those years. 
remember, it was a time of great dreams, great aspiration. And Spock's like under dozens of petty dictatorships. Because Spock is our king in this. Uh, and Khan's like, one man would have ruled eventually as Rome under Caesar. Think of its accomplishments. Um, so Khan is just like, yeah, no, this this is really interesting that you brought me here to interrogate me. I see exactly what you're doing. And so Kirk's like, fine. Why did you flee? Were you afraid? And Khan's like, I've never been afraid. Okay, macho Ooh, man. Yeah, compensating okay. much. But you left at the very time mankind needed courage. So Kirk's basically being like, oh, but you wouldn't rule free humanity. And he's like, we offered the world order. And Khan's like, we? That's all the information they're going to get, though. Because Khan's really tired. He's, he's growing fatigued. Oh. He grows fatigued again. I'm super seepy. I need to go back to my to my quarters. So he goes back to his quarters. And then we get the creepiest fucking scene. The actual creepiest fucking thing. Marla comes and visits Khan. And she says, I'm sorry. Like, they shouldn't have attacked you like that. That was wrong of them. And I don't think you'll like this world very much. Because you are a great man. You are a conqueror. And he's like, well, then I'll remold this world to my liking. And he pulls her in. And she immediately is like, whoa, please don't. Like, excuse me. Like, we were just talking and now you're like jumping me. And he freaks the fuck out. Because that's what these men do. He says, go or stay. But do it because that is what you wish to do. But he sounds terrifying. Never respond to ultimatums. Oh, never, so never. And he goes, in a well, relationship, and she's like it's like, different with the ultimatums that Khan's going to make yeah. him do in other scenarios. I'm not saying always give yeah. him to thing. Like, you know, never but not give like, him stuff, but this yeah. is different in a relationship like that. Ugh. Yes. Um, And she's like, I'll stay a little longer. And he goes, how many minutes do you graciously offer? So he's neg- he's bringing her down again, making her feel bad about herself for setting a boundary a very reasonable boundary she's like i just meant and he goes this grows tiresome you must now ask to stay yeah it's a privilege to be in my company (gasps) and she says i'd like to stay please and he takes her hand and forces her down on her knees. Yo, which wrapped around my finger. Yes. He says, open your heart. Will you open your heart? And she says, yes. And he goes, I intend to take this ship. Do you agree? And she's like, oh, please don't ask me. The, like, girl, what are you doing? Don't let me do it. No, I was only siding with you when you were being really aggressive and threatening me personally, but everyone else. And he says, I need your help. And she's like, You won't harm anyone? And he goes, Now you question me? What? To the, the question of what you won't harm anyone? Fuck? Like, again, once I know, again, the slightest boundary. No, slightest they boundary. Speed, they are having to speed run this relationship yes. because it's a TV show. Like they are they are putting a lot of of you know what would be a lot of ground laid 
for a person to get yep. in this position. But the, the the techniques that he's doing in Ooh. these minutes are exactly what cult leaders and people it's, who are yes. abusive do. So it's wild exactly. that they even in the tones knew what to do in this moment yeah. of like quickness, even if it's just like text, it's subject, text, subject, yeah. It really is an attack. And to that degree, Marla is blameless in that. She is being targeted and attacked by the most, like, by a genetically enhanced charisma. But she was always kind of sus. So I think that we can say that she's also being sus. But she's like, oh, please, like, Khan, like, don't ask me. He's like, I need, he's like, go then. Leave. Go. And she's like, no, I promise. I'll do anything. Um, there's a really great moment in this shot where she's like standing away from him and you see her shadow really clearly defined on the wall as she steps forward to take his hands and like kneel to him, which I thought was like, so like her, her dark side, like shadow self, um, just fantastic. So Kirk Bones and Scotty are in a conference room. Now with Khan's identity fully revealed, it is Khan Noonien Singh, who from 1992 to 96 was an absolute ruler of more than a quarter of the world, the last of the tyrants to be overthrown. Um, Yeah, they say he ruled from Asia to the Middle East. Yeah, which... It's just the Genghis Khan. Like, there's a reason why. I I mean, I'm, I'm now... I'm not thick. I got this in the moment, but it is funny that they pick the specific region that Khan, like the Genghis Khan would be in. They made sure to give that detail so that you're not just like thinking about the allusion to Genghis Khan because you know Khan, but they're Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 no. We're, he's literally a Khan in this, in in this world. Yeah, literally. Um, So the name so the name Khan they picked because they wanted it to be like Angus Khan. But the name Nunyan Singh, Singh was suggested uh, by DeForest Research because it is similar to actual Sikh names, which they are clearly trying to allude that he is. Okay. And um, they decided to add Nunyan because Roddenberry had an old Chinese friend named, whose last name was Nunyan Wang, who he had lost touch with. And he hoped that Wang would see the episode and contact him fantastic right <laughs> that is a great way to construct a reunion to get your connections going mm-hmm. back with someone no con so i don't know if it worked but i thought that was cute i um, feel like i in- feel like if it had worked there'd be an imdb fact about it right right but there. So in the new Star Trek and Strange New Worlds, they try to make it seem like in their society, the name Noonien Singh is akin to Hitler. So it it has that same sort of place in cultural consciousness where like you wouldn't name a child Hitler. You immediately recognize it. So like if my name was Emily Hitler, everyone would be like, oh, shit. Like they would raise an eye by this point in time, they would be raising mm -hmm. an eyebrow like, okay. Yeah, so they that's how they, they consider the name to be, which is insane. And there's a woman whose last name is Nunyan Singh and is related to Khan, which doesn't make any sense to me because I feel like I there are a lot of people who would have the last name Nunyan Singh. Like, these are real last names. So I never saw it as, like, an iconic – the last name is an iconic name. Um, 
But yeah. So at this point, Scott and Kirk do this weird gaslighty thing about how they admire him. Yeah, this. And dictators. Okay, this was my moment. Yeah. Like, okay. So this is their argument. This is, I, we'll just straight up get into it. I know you're summarizing, but I just want to get into this because this no, was right in my brain. So they're please. sitting around the table, all the, these white dudes. Uh, Sulu yeah. is noticeably, Sulu and Uhura noticeably missing from this scene. Yeah. And Kirk's leaned back in his chair. Yeah. And they're basically talking Relaxed. about how this is, he's sort of admirable. What he accomplished. They're like, wow, I always admired that one. You know, he didn't have any massacres. And Spock was like, excuse me? I'm like, sorry, what did you say? There was no f- excuse me? freedom? Like, um, did you fucking say why are we appalled? you admire him? I'm sorry? And Kirk is like, Haha, you wouldn't get it. It's a human thing. Literally. We can admi- That's like a quote. He, You can admire... You know, so you can admire Hitler. We can be against him and admire him. Essentially. Yeah. Even though I'm like, I'm not saying I like everything he did, but well, you know, the trains ran on time when Mussolini was in charge. We can admire that he had that. Spock is. It's really funny that we start out with Spock being wrong because he's so much right during the rest of it. Yes. And that this is what was the weird damning part because I'm like, ooh, this is some real casual yeah, stuff to drop about our leadership team on the Enterprise. Like, Mr. Spock is literally like horrified and they all break into laughter. Yeah, they're like, oh. Before saying, oh, no, this is just a thing we do admiring dictators. Don't worry about it. They literally laugh at him, even though they know they have this dictator on fucking board. It reminded me of the infamous drill tweet, which is, I can't remember what he says, but I need to issue my apology. It turns out you do not, in fact, have to hand anything to ISIS. Yes, you don't. <laughs> you don't you have to hand don't. them anything. You don't have to hand you, you don't. anyone involved in the eugenics war anything. You don't have to. Nope. You just You don't. really don't. Yeah, this is one of my rants. It's like, yeah, very, okay, weird old 60s men. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know that this is what these fuckers really say to each other. Like, they really believe that you can admire these dictators. It's very like, oh, humans just have this streak of barbarism. Like, boys will be boys. Mm. And it's so... Boys will be boys. it's so fucking true, though, because otherwise the History Channel wouldn't yeah. exist with its thousand and one right? World War II yeah. and Hitler and, you know, Hitler's I'm sure Franz Ferdinand... Secret Nazi Yeah, cult. I'm sure Franz Ferdinand got off, you know, specials, recreating it, mm-hmm. you know, doing the arc of the bullet that left after the guy had the sandwich. God. All of these things that that famously my senator Chuck Grassley tweeted about his feud with the history channel because he himself simply wanted to just watch stuff where we could relive what dictators did over and over and over again yep yep and just you know I think that I think that the history channel plays a role in traumatizing Jewish American youth in a way that like was it hasn't been talked about or reckoned with it all just like sitting there watching all this nazi shit like in this bombastic sensational way just like i don't know how to take this i don't know how to deal want to walk into their offices and be like you know there's other periods of history right like this one period of history isn't the only one that exists oh man i fucking love the history i loved the history channel 
so yeah, and it's it's just fucking crazy. And Roddenberry has a, even a quote where he's like, "Well, maybe in that age, like, because they're trying to figure out what the nineteen the deal with the nineteen nineties was in the eugenics wars." He's like, "Well, from like some philosophical viewpoints, like the age of chivalry celebrated criminality to a high degree, and so the world could again in the nineties, just like Hitler. Like, wow, we can just philosophize our way around all of these things, and it's like." Dude, that's literally what's happening right now, though. You're acting like that's not literally what every country is. Like, that state monopoly on violence isn't, like, the way that our society has codified its interactions. Like, we also know that he famously turned in a Shakespearean acting tyrant dictator for the crimes of the death of 4,000 people. And we know that the eugenics war caused millions of deaths yep like it was bad and this is yeah. like well gotta hand it to him it is uh, incongruous it is incongruous with other things mm-hmm. we have seen from it that's just why it also yeah. just weirded me out so much it is really weird and you're right because conscience of the king is about that mm-hmm. it's about a hitler we've, yeah we've explored in a really real way before. yeah like, and I it do like- was done so much better <laughs> t- i'm so sorry we talked about the History Channel and how it traumatized Jewish people. And we have made so many Hitler references and Hitler jokes. I know. Space Hitler. And I'm just, it's, did you Hitler, Hitler as a noun to mean dictator? Like just, it is just one of those, like, that is again, one of the it weird paradoxes of all of this. It's but just it is what just it like, is. It's so, this is what happens just when you're dealing with shows with white, white history and it mixed with space yeah. and all of this. Yeah. But at least for, at least for Khan, the jig is up. Um, he is now fully under lock and key. Kirk is like, you know, put guards on this guy. I know that he is a murder, a, a dictator. There were no massacres under his rule. That doesn't mean that he doesn't that he didn't murder people or and cause an apocalypse. So, um, he is fully under lock and key, and Kirk comes in to interview Khan. Now knowing who he is and once again Khan is just a tyranny apologist uh in fact he goes as far to say captain although your abilities intrigue me you are quite honestly inferior mentally physically in fact I am surprised at how little improvement there has been in human evolution yeah okay girl oh there's been technical advancement but how little man himself has changed Yes, it appears we will do well in your century. Any other questions, Captain? So one, that's a threat. And two, fuck you. Like, (laughs) Do you know what I also, I wonder too, if he just expected that. Everyone would be genetically engineered by that point. Exactly that. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. They didn't intend to sleep for 200 years. They, they, they expected to hit a, a place and wake up presumably but yeah like and it's it's wild how much con is like no but eugenics is the right and good thing to do power is the best thing above all and it's weird that you didn't do it none 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 um so as soon as kirk leaves con gets up and does his like intense stretching again where he does like prayer position with his hands but like it's the the stretching version and like He's doing yoga. He takes his hands. Yeah, he's doing yoga. Puts his hands on the door and literally with his bare hands 
rips open the fucking locked trans like door like fancy star trek sliding door he takes that and then door and pretends with all his might that it's the all his fucking might he hypes himself up for it yes and then he like does like a little swat with his hand at the at the guard outside and the guy flies across the fucking does a farcical like yes like three rolls on the ground after getting hit just so you're aware of how mega slapped this guy just got yes way more than when you know like when uh when spock smacks kirk in naked time and he flies over the table exactly what i thought but more than that exactly i was like this is more than that they have set that you know what we need a counter this will be my counter the number of rolls successfully done after a slap in star trek we have three we're gonna see if we ever go past the three threshold Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the three rolls threshold um so meanwhile marla is in the transporter bay holding a phaser to the transporter chief Khan comes in and like does his own version of the Vulcan neck pinch where like he, he makes the guy pass out and Marla transports him back to the botany bay where we see the rest of the supermen awake and they are all doing that same like stretch um we see no we see like an Asian person and a couple of white people and no other races than that. I thought that I like, I was like, Oh, so they're of all the different races and there's no black Superman. <laughs> like was it, that's an interesting choice, but we also didn't see yeah, a we lot didn't of see it. Everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did not see a lot of it. There are a lot of shots from in there that were cut at this particular point because they hired a bunch of dancers because they wanted them to look like, you know, built and superman-y so all of these supermen are doing their stretches and he's like hello otto hello jürgen uh yes brothers like we will take the universe ha 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 you know standard evil shit on the bridge of the enterprise kirk gets noticed that khan has escaped but at that same moment all of the doors stop working. They are all trapped on the bridge. Their channels are jammed. They can't use any of their weaponry. No intruder security measures. And then the air starts leaving the bridge. Khan patches in is basically like surrender or die. And no one surrenders because this is our heroic bridge crew. And they're not going to surrender to not even a Hitler, like, because he is so much smarter than Hitler ever was. But as evil, you know? Yeah. Um, They're not going to surrender. And we see Kirk just leaving a final, like, note, like, commendations for all of the bridge crew because their badass in will not give in to fascism. Um, says, I bear... Full responsibility, responsibility for all of the choices made for I waking this guy the up. Final. Ugh. Um, and he uh, we cut, and that's when he passes out, and we cut to a conference room. This time, definitely a conference room because Khan is in there with all his buddies, and they have our bridge crew sitting in chairs with phasers to their heads. Khan has taken the ship. All wearing 
red jumpsuits. Spades red jumpsuits. Yep. (laughs) Pulled pulled from wardrobe. And he's basically like, all right, join me. I need you. I cannot fly this ship. Like, we're, I'm not an idiot and you're not idiots. Like, we all know I can't fly the ship. But of course, no one is acquiescing. They're like, where the fuck is our captain? And one of the supermen drags Uhura, like, over to a computer and is like, make the screen go up. And she just doesn't. And he smacks her. And it, like, really, like, hits her hard. Mm-hmm. And he's like, make the screen go up. And she isn't going to do it. She's not saying anything, but she's clearly refusing. And he goes to smack her again. And that's when Marla steps up. And he's like, stop, don't. Like, she has... She has done all of this shit with Khan, but she still does not want violence done against the crew. That Um, was her demand. That was her demand. She says no. And then Khan's like, all right, all right. I messed up. I admit it. I messed up the situation. Letting you all suffocate together obviously created a heroic camaraderie amongst you. It's such great evil villain speech stuff. It's just so good. Um, and he's like, Obvi- I, I fucked up. I made this heroic camaraderie. So what we're going to do now is you're all going to sit there and watch as Kirk it dies in a decompression chamber. You're all going to watch the little dial. And if any one of you surrenders to me, he will be saved. I'll let you all live. If any one of you does. And they're all like, fuck no. And they just watch the little dial showing that Kirk is going to die. And that's when the screen cuts out and Khan's like, whatever, he's definitely dead. None of you are surrendering sweet. Spock's next. And they have a Superman take Spock out to the decompression chamber. But much like in the previous episode where Kirk was actually okay and the person like was there to free Spock, like, you know, um, that, that exactly happens. Um, we cut to where the decompression chamber is and Marla's there and she's like, hey, guard, like Khan really wants you to look closely at Kirk right now. So the guy turns and she just hypo needles him to like yeah. make him pass out, um, <laughs> which is very clever. She gets Kirk out and she's like, I saved your life. OK, like I saved your life. Now don't kill Khan, please. Which is just wild. She still she still can't. Get she can't. Over him. The big dick energy has taken hold. Um, multiple slaps later mm-hmm. does not think that he or yeah. is still he's worth saving. And it's so interesting because right before uh, she does this, after she stands up for Uhura, and they're like, "You're gonna watch your captain die." She says, "She's like, I don't have to see this, do I?" And Khan's like, "No, you can leave." But I thought you would be stronger. She is actually going to free Kirk at this moment. So she is a badass, but we all think she's being a coward. Um, so they, it's fucking insane. Um, but there's of course this really cute moment between Spock and Kirk. Um, so the sick bay door opens and Kirk like hides and then tackles the guard who was on Spock and Spock neck pinches him. They like immediately like are in like fight formation where like Kirk does the distract and he does the neck pinch. Oh yeah. It's, it's their secret bro language where they've Mm -hmm. had, they've been like planning their plan. Okay, man. So if we're ever in this situation, Mm -hmm. you're going to do this and I'm going to do this. We're going to look real cool. But they actually do it and they do look cool. 
Like, yeah, wow. exactly. Um, and it's great. Spock's like, surprised to see you, Captain, though pleased. And Kirk's like, I'm a little pleased myself. <laughs> Situation. Just then, anesthesia gas is pumped through the whole ship by Kirk. But Khan gets out of the boardroom just in time to make it to the engineering room. Kirk is running with a phaser. He knows it's engineering because the anesthesia gas isn't going there. Yep. And, and we see Kirk and or Kirk. We see Khan and he's, he's typing, like, at, he's the typing at the screen. Doing sciencey stuff to make like, sure it's all locked off so that he's not affected. And then um in comes Kirk and Gary Combs and whoever was the stunt double double for Ricard, uh, Ricardo have a fantastic fight. Oh yes. There's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of Gary Combs. Boy, can you see Harry Combs? There's a great move where they have Gary like holding on to like the netting of the engineering cage with his legs, his thighs wrapped around Ricardo's neck, like uh, like Mystique. <laughs> She's about to snap. He's about to snap this guy's neck with not, his thighs. Not one of the unhottest things that's ever happened <laughs> on Star Trek. Let's Definitely lie. not. Definitely not. Um, so they, it seems like Khan's going to win because at the beginning of the fight, Khan takes the phaser and destroys it with his bare hands, just smashes it, um, which is just such a Superman move. It, it's such an evil villain move. I love it. Um, and it definitely, I feel like, came from Justman being like, we are so much over budget. budget. No more phasers. No more no phaser more animation. Please. Just can we please have a normal fight? So eventually, Kirk gets hold of a pipe or something that we literally oh, never yeah. see again a in the pipe. series. Just a lead pipe from Clue. He just, just he was like in engineering, in the engineering room. Pulls it out of a socket. We never see it again. And he beats Khan into submission. And then the music swells, and I realized, oh, this is this is the defeat moment. That's yeah. it. This is literally he like beats him in a he fight. hits him with a pipe. And that's all it takes to take down yep. this like ingenious, strong, genetically engineered. Oh shit, the genetic engineers didn't calculate a pipe. pipe. They didn't. Oh, they were thinking of everything but pipe technology. Nope. Oh, Kirk, God. Uh, Kirk just, you know. Khan might have big dick energy, but Kirk knows how to lay a pipe. Oh! oh. It, um. You know, he was just, they. He, Kirk was looking for it because he, first he was looking for a steel dildo. He couldn't <laughs> find a steel dildo anywhere, so then he grabbed a pipe. That was his second his second option. Oh, man. Um, so <laughs> Kirk saves the ship from exploding because uh, Khan also was going to make the ship explode. Um, so he shapes the ship. Uh, saves the ship and we cut to a court martial the crew versus the supermen and Marla Kirk uh, starts it and then it says you know under the authority vested in me by Starfleet command I declare all charges and specifications in this matter have been dropped duh what he then asks Mr. Spock uh, to, to take us near the SETI Alpha star system to find a nice planet to maroon these supermen on so that they are punished with a land to conquer. Because 
dictators who murder most of the world's population and turn it into an unimaginable apocalypse uh, deserve their own planets to rule? It it, it is... It's odd. It is odd. But here's the thing is, it is implied that they are dropping them off much like the Australians... When yeah. They were first put there. He even says, much they were like left Australia's there to, like, Botany Bay. Die. I don't think, I don't, it's basically like, we're going to send you to a prison, which is 80 of you all being stuck together on this planet that is assumably not habitated. But he says it's not habitated. But he says, it's no more than Australia's Botany Bay colony was at the beginning. Those men went on to tame a continent, Mr. Khan. Can you tame a world? He's literally saying, like, those men were left at Botany Bay and they did the colonialist dream and that was good. Can you do it? But I think here, maybe I have a different reason. Maybe, maybe. And maybe I, I'd have to rewatch the scene. I read it as Kirk setting him up to fail and that he doesn't think that Khan can actually do this. It's, it's, I, I read it as a bit of sarcasm, as a bit of throwing back his, his Mm. sort of mentality into his face of like, oh, if you're so good, y'all can survive with just the seven of you on a barren planet with no technology, no supplies. It's, it's saying, oh, go build your civilization, uh, you know, in in the middle of the jungle and like, you know, use your superiorities to do that. Mm-hmm. Which is like dropping anyone in there. Um, which is still a terrible idea, but you're right that that is sort of the only way we can take yes. it and still have any respect for Kirk. Because and... I really do think it was written to be like, oh, but we do admire these dictators, don't we? What a hard decision and we maybe have. It, and we maybe, want yeah, maybe it was a here will punish way, you but... with, yeah, being frontiers. Yeah. Um, it, you, yeah, it can definitely be read <clears throat> both ways. And, and it yeah. really depends upon it. I guess for me, maybe yeah. I'm tinting it with the knowledge. But I think that's fair. Of Wrath of Khan yeah. 2. Well, where we know yeah. that the planet has inadvertently become inhospitable due to a neighboring planet exploding and yeah. rendering the surface uninhabitable yeah. essentially. But um, it's, yeah. And it's, it's one of those yeah. things where I'm like, this person is so dangerous that it is so irresponsible to leave them in a position where they are not being monitored if still alive. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like when they dropped off Lenin in uh in Russia, what they like put him in a train with like 500 guards all around him because they were so afraid of this one man. Um, but it feels, I, I don't know if that's an apocryphal story. It sounds like an yeah. apocryphal story, but the idea that he needs to be surrounded at all times, like that's what makes sense to me. But it would be, it's also interesting in that, would it be sort of a dropping them off and because they're all so vain and think they're so great they're all gonna kill each other they're all gonna kill each other i mean there's a million different ways that it could play out you know but leaving it up yeah no you're totally right like there are a lot of ways it could have played out but i think leaving it up to any amount of chance is unconsciousable and you know what kirk gets his comeuppance for that mistake in wrath of khan when khan comes back after him 
That's true. Because like, they could have sent him to a yeah. penal colony. They I mean, I guess have. the worry would be. I, I also he could take the over the penal be, colony. That's exactly that. But at least, what I wonder is, yeah, it wasn't. It it's wasn't a hard like, choice. It's a hard. Yeah, exactly. there's no it's good hard. option here. And 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 to be fair to Kirk, there really is no good option except not this. Uh, he gives Marla the choice to either be court-martialed or go with Khan, and she decides to go with Khan. Do not like, but you know what? He says she's a superior woman for choosing it. I'm like, what is your life going to be down there, though? He says you're a superior woman now. And, like, like Ricardo said that, like, he played it and he found that that was a real love, that that was a true love that Khan had for her. Yeah. Um, regardless of how it plays or how it, how it is seen. But, like, really, like... He's not uh, going to fuck one of the super ladies. He's a eugenicist and you're just some normal bitch. Like the fuck is that going to be like for you? You stupid person. Like, oh, wild. Two, so two interesting sides to this. The one is, I guess in her situation, it's like I can be court-martialed, court-martialed and sent to like a penal colony or have to be. But penal you colonies know, are unpar- pretty swank. Yeah. In Star or, Trek. Or go with Tommy McGutters. True. And like True. plow him on this planet until they both die of heat exhaustion That's, or whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can go to a penal colony by myself, or I can have some of the hottest <laughs> sex of my life. Just getting railed yep. by this guy. This and Superman. doing that. Like, you know what? I'll go with that. I, okay. I, I do think there is canon. I, I, I didn't want to look this up mm-hmm. during our discussion. But I think Khan mentions, like, his wife dying. And so it's yeah. assumed that. She, uh, and I think yeah. they imply it's her. It is. Um, in other stories, like, written about the after and this and that. So in the movie, the reason she dies, essentially, is because... The actress developed MS and they didn't oh, want to recast her. So, okay. which I think is is good of them to not recast that character. It's and yeah. so the story is that she died on that planet because of an a bite from an eel or some shit. Like, you know, which may or may not have yeah, been it's... orchestrated by one of the other supermen, but mm-hmm. you know, she died of presumably natural causes. Of being on like this crazy planet. Um, well, you just said she was bit by an eel, so it wasn't after yeah. causes. It was true. Being, it, it was, was an eel. Being, it was being, from nature e- or something. E- eel bit. E- something e- expected. Eeled. She got eeled. Um, so, yeah, it, it ends with Spock being like, "It would be interesting to return to that world in a hundred years to learn what crop has sprung from the seed you planted today." We don't years the seed is coming to you i it's it's it and that's this, it so this episode being this iconic yeah in terms of plot not a lot happens no it's like a it's a it's not quite a bottleneck episode because they have the set that they built for the yeah. ship and everything but they mostly are on the enterprise mm-hmm. after that point and it's it's dialoguey. It's very mm-hmm, talky mm-hmm. and him threatening stuff, but then mostly him threatening 
you know, with his words and then mm-hmm. some stuff. Like, you know, I guess it, there is some action because there's the yeah. gas on Big the ship. There's some things. It's and... not absent of it. No, but, but it is mostly of, talking. Yeah. And I don't think it was it's riveting. not one of my favorite episodes in terms of a viewing experience. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the discussion that can be had yes. around it, that is what is interesting because we have talked a long time with some tangents, but talked a long time just about the ideas that this one episode brought yeah. up and a lot of it about the interpersonal relationships of these characters. Mm-hmm. And it's not even like nerding out on all the, yeah. like there's so much we could talk about just con in terms of iconic moments and comparing mm-hmm. it to the movie and relation, things like that and stuff. But like, how it emotionally affected us. Right. And like how we didn't like seeing these characters go through that type of abuse. And I'm sure it's because we live in a, you know. More aware time. We live in a. uh, Post pickup. Post um, hostage situation with our own leadership in which it was like an abusive relationship where these yeah. sons were pulled. So we're very aware of them. So True. we're now in a time and place where we're keenly aware of these tactics. And so yeah. it isn't just something that uh, happens during the, the course of a plot. It yeah. is implications and True. absolute subtext and mm-hmm. things that are for us now surface level because yes. we have a viewing of it. And also just knowing the attitudes of gender and race mm-hmm. and history politics from this era yeah you know you're, you're nailing three different three of the biggest mm-hmm. literary critique th- literary critique things that you could do with yeah. this this episode gives you a bevy of it yeah it really is it's it's shock full of stuff it's written really well um and the performances are riveting um i have some fun facts the first one um, about the original story. So in the original writer's treatment, Carrie Wilbur, Khan Ninian Singh is actually a Nordic Superman named Harold Erickson, which then uh, evolved into the character introducing himself as John Erickson, but actually being Rangar Thorwald, who was involved with the First World Tyranny. Oh, they pulled a John Harrison. This is this is what they do in Star Trek Into Darkness. The other adaptation. He calls (gasps) him John Harrison. You're right. Before they unveil, like my name is Khan. That element is taken from the first draft of the story. The the, the part that they took away because it wasn't actually good enough or made enough sense. How interesting! How interesting! Fucking, I hate that movie. Um, so <laughs> I'm a, I am a Star Trek Into Darkness defender. If you go in okay. knowing, no, I just liked it for what it was because I Fair. knew. Here's the thing: is I went in going no, I went in knowing this is Khan. I'm assuming this is Khan. I am not going to take that the surprise reveal is Khan. I, if you yes, a lot of the the drama sort of suspense built up to that, but also just knowing how he's manipulating people to get into this position. Sure. Sure. was interesting enough for me yeah sure I, it's fine in a vacuum but yeah um so yeah that's really interesting i am sad that we don't get the name rangar thorwald in yes. anything else because that's a great fucking name um and he was apparently a lot more brutal in the story like he killed people not rather than just like making them pass out which would make marla's reactions not really vibe um and 
Yeah. So about the movie, we know that the reason that Madeline Rue, uh, who played uh, Lieutenant Marla MacGyver's, had MS, uh, she was killed by the Seti'il. And another interesting thing is that in the movie, Khan recognizes Chekhov and he recognizes him by name. But of course, Chekhov's not in this episode. He wasn't cast until season two. So uh, Walter Koning himself came up with a story, which he likes to recite at conventions, that if Khan, during the events of Space Seed, desperately needed to go to the bathroom, but the only toilet he could find was occupied. And when it opened, Chekhov walked out and Khan resolved to never forget Chekhov's face. I... That's a great convention story. Right? That's a perfect convention story. Yep. 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 Um, and my final fun fact, this was the first Star Trek episode to go on public sale. This was the first oh. Star Trek that you could purchase. It was sold as a single episode Makes VHS cassette sense. in 1982. That's very early. That's very right? early in consumer VHS. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. But hey, if you want to get, and but VHS, the one thing about VHS technology that I think a lot of people don't quite realize is that most of VHS was developed for rental. So it'd be for like people to rent the thing and not necessarily own it. So making it being like, what would, what would get into circulation mm-hmm. most, necessarily what would sell the most. And like starting with that episode makes perfect sense. Yeah, it really does. It really does. Because um, what are you releasing in yep. 1982? Oh, you're so right. Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan. You are so right. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So, yeah. That's incredible. I love this space seed. It is always going to be one of the upper echelon episodes for me, but not remotely near the top of my favorites, just because it is a hard watch. It is it is dramatic and it's intense. Um, it's not hard the way that watching like Game of Thrones was hard. Uh, it's nowhere near that, but it's intense. Big recommend to anyone who wants an episode that will impress people with its like super sophisticated darkness. Yeah, and it's an easy it's an easy watch because yes. if you don't like camp, which mm-hmm. some people don't. Yes. There's not a lot of campiness. That is, yeah, that is a a really good point. Straightforward one. As you said, it has, you know, one of the best Mm -hmm. guest stars that you could ever have on your show, Mm -hmm. acting a a role that could have been hammed up Mm -hmm. and making it so sincere that it's scary. Yes. Like, you know, he doesn't need. He can have the physical threats of violence, but the fact that he gets as much as he does does accomplished without yes. uh, resorting to violence is fascinating. Yes, and that is that. Yeah, and it's uh, it's quite the thing, quite the interesting episode. Missy, thank you so much for joining me. I will never you. make you ask to join me. Oh, if I great. ever do we'll join. assume I've been taken over by a creepy Superman. <laughs> now, next week's episode. Next week's episode. I am gonna get So what a is little, a li- so a little it's a little dollop of destruction. Oh a, a panache oh! for post apocalypse. 
Oh. I'm going to be on a taste of Armageddon. Om nom nom nom. Uh, my very quickly. What do you think it's going to be? It's going to be a brink of war situation mm-hmm. that Kirk and them happen to stumble onto. I don't know if it's a planet uh, side thing or something more involved in space, but mm-hmm. I think they're or like between two planets or whatever. But I think they are going to get caught in the middle of a straight up Cold War analogy ooh, next week. Ooh. Another one, but like a one that is much more on the head of like if you fuckers okay. didn't get this before, we're going there. We're going there. That's Taste of Armageddon. Will it be a dish served Cold War? We'll see next week. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you so much, Missy. Remember, live long and prosper. Prosper and live long.